we would love to hear from you what the Lord is doing in your life or have seen in others. Write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 407-624-9957. We at The Millennium Beat are looking forward to hearing what the Lord is doing in your life. Remember that The Millennium Beat is helping people share their stories. I have back with me Ryan Bastris from Wake Ministries. Ryan will be our host for the Millennium Beat, the Kingdom Edition, to share kingdom truths. The show will be dropping every Thursday at 6 p.m. starting December 3rd, 2020. On this show, we will be discussing his mission trip to New Hampshire. We'll be asking the question, are you sitting at his feet? Then we'll talk about breaking complacency. Now on to our show. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hey everybody, this is Kevin James. I'm your host of the Millennium Beat. I am glad that you are with us today. This is something a little different here. We are trying to do it with a um, camera and stuff like that. And I have my good friend, Ryan Bassers with me. Ryan, how are you doing today? Yes, I'm doing amazing, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Let's jump into, uh, you just got back from a mission trip to New Hampshire. I know that state quite well. So talk about New Hampshire and what's going on and what you've really seen happen there. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So, Yeah, the ministry, the ministry trip to New Hampshire was absolutely amazing. And uh, we just seen a whole bunch of amazing things take place just amazing encounters with Jesus. Um, my heart is to see people encounter Jesus. And um, Wake Ministries is all about that. We're about encounter, but we also want to equip and we want to empower people. And, uh, you know, we saw that up in New Hampshire. Um, I sat with, um, I preached Friday, a Friday night, a Saturday morning, a Saturday night, a Sunday morning. And then I actually had a dinner with uh, the leaders uh, just to hang out and spend some time together on Sunday night. And uh, the pastor actually had people go around the room and kind of just mention the highlights uh, of the uh, event, of the conference. And um, each one, each leader spent a long amount of time sharing highlights of you know the things that god did uh too many to count if you will um it was kind of like in second chronicles chapter 20 when jehoshaphat and the people won a battle against their enemies it took three days for them to pull all of the goods from the enemy um and you know they went back to their camp actually after they pulled the goods from their enemies their defeated enemies, they went with their hands full back to their camp. And uh, it was like this serve, this, this conference this weekend was like that. They, there was many victories for individuals and it felt like the, the church, the leadership, you know, took back some things that were stolen, but they also received amazing rewards or awards, if you will, from the Lord, just awesome counters that formed amazing testimonies that really made 
um, an impact in the leadership, but also within their church. And it was like they were taking back, if you will, uh, that provision, you know, uh, that award, that that favor uh, from the Lord. So we um, one one of the ones that I thought was a highlight. Uh, again, there were so many uh, to count, but there was one that I thought was really cool. There was this gentleman that was uh, at this service on a Saturday night and uh, tattooed up all over. And uh, it looked really good on him. I don't think I could pull it off. I don't think I could either. But, uh, yeah, he looked really good. And, and But anyway, you could just tell he was from the streets. And he came up. Uh, and um, I started praying for him and prophesying over him. And he started weeping. Oh, wow. And uh, one of the ushers, one of the guys that had my back, uh, was standing there while I prayed for this gentleman that was tattooed up. And uh, he's weeping. And uh, the usher that you know was weeping that was assisting me, he's weeping. But he's in a retired uh, cop. Oh, okay. And at the end of the prayer and prophecy, the, the tattooed guy jumps in the arms of this retired police officer and they just wept together for, for a long period of time. And uh, I found out later that the gentleman um, that was tattooed up, I forget his name, but uh, he jumped on Steve's neck and they just hugged each other. The retired police officer just hugs this guy. I find out later that the tattooed guy would run from Steve, the retired cop, and cause Steve and other police officers that were there at the service, he caused them a lot of problems uh, on the streets. And so there was like this healing, this reconciliation, uh, this redemption that God brought. And uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, I found out when I got back up there with this church, because I was there last year, that everything that God had me prophesy uh, over the leaders, over the church, and over individuals that attend the church, almost everything was fulfilled mm. within a year. Okay. One of the things that I had prophesied last year was that um you know a week a month no longer than a year that there would be significant shifts and transitions and i believe i even said like you know said that when i come back things are going to look different right well the pastor and his wife claimed that held on to that and long story short she said within a year Within that year, like it was prophesied, shift and transition and breakthrough took place. Things that they were longing for, they were stepping into. Right. And uh, even that weekend, this weekend we just had things that happened in the prophetic, things that happened at the altar, things that happened in the messages were things that you know they needed and 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 some of it was what they were longing for what they had in their heart and what i brought what god had me bring was just confirmation right and so uh, a lot of breakthrough in the prophetic which i love to see which i love to hear 
Um, Friday night, the first service, we started prophesying over some people at the end of the message. And honestly, um, the Lord just like came into my heart that like we were to exalt him, not prophecy. And it was almost like we needed to exalt him above prophecy, not prophecy above him. And so we went into a place of prayer, a place of worship. And whenever we shifted our focus on Jesus, that was when people really encountered him and really got swept away in him. And you could just see a lot of people that weekend get ushered into things that they've longed for just through the Holy Spirit, just encounters with the Holy Spirit. So so when I said that it was like in my heart to, to, to bring our attention to God, mm-hmm. I believe people wanted God, but they wanted it in the form of the prophetic. Right. But God was really shifting them to just really want him and desire him. And so the way I'm explaining it to you right now might not be, you know, exactly how I was hearing it, but it was these impressions in my heart to just bring our attention, our focus on the Father. Right. And whenever that happened, to just sense the presence of God increase. And it just ushered us through the threshold, the doorway and brought us into the things that God wanted us to encounter, what God wanted us to see. And um, we saw a complete shift in many people's lives. There was this one gentleman who didn't step into church for months because of just some situations going on. Uh, His son was actually found murdered. And I don't want to go into extreme details, but... He uh, had kind of distanced himself from church. He came out to the service on Friday night. I believe God impacted by God. You know, we sat and talked after church a while, just laughed and joked. I didn't even really know his situation until later when I talked to the pastor. Right. But uh, we went, um, you know, he came every service, and you could just see his countenance shift, and you could just see his heart just lighten up and uh again i'm just sharing some things that i know about you know that the leaders even brought up but it was a true revolutionary type of event for individuals and for the church um to where we actually me and this church are in covenant with one another and um you know i'm gonna pour into them as much as i possibly can and they've invited me to come back as much as i can and um you know we're gonna run together and we're gonna be in partnership with one another so yeah god did so much that it was hard for the leadership to carry all the provisions they received uh from that weekend so it was really really cool man it was a blow away you had to be there hey there it's awesome uh, to give a shout out to the church i don't think they would mind what was the name of the church and what town was no, it was lamb's chapel up in new hampshire it's a small town in new hampshire berlin new hampshire 
and a great church. It was actually really cool because I got to fly in on a Wednesday night, did a virtual conference thing Wednesday night. Okay. And then got to hunt. Ah, you like and that. And see people getting cow, uh, get, get, having counters with God. Two of your passions at the same time, preaching Two and hunting. Two of my passions, preaching and, oh, and, and, and hunting. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, And, and the yes, weather sir. was probably pretty nice up there at the time, too. I seen some of the pictures. It was really nice. It was cool. The fall colors were on the trees. It was uh, it was a great trip. Yeah, because that was early. Uh, this is October 12th, while, 13th while we're recording. but uh, So that was early yeah. October. So, And it's... Um, yeah, the trees and stuff like that. It's beautiful. I remember I, I, I'm from up neck, that neck of the woods, and it, it's not, okay. it's nice. You know, I'm Massachusetts right next door. So, And as I said in the pre-show, that you know, I, I grew up in New Hampshire. And there was a camp in um, New Ipswich called Pratt Pond, and we spent most of the summers there. My uh, sister's husband's family owned the camp, and, and I would go up, you know, spend the days and weeks sometimes and it was fun i enjoy that um that's do you, awesome how do you feel because coming from there i haven't really done any ministry up there lately it's been probably 30 years it was a very not conservative very liberal state whether it was um, politics or or in person very liberal also the church was very liberal in a sense and, and it's very tight um how do you feel it's now in, you know, in the year 2020. Compared yeah, to I think, you know, the New England area as a whole is some hard ground. Mm -hmm. But I really do believe that there is some churches that I'm in partnership with that have been spending years right. plowing ground and soaking the ground with their tears and crying out for revival. Mm -hmm. And uh, you see some, some light and you see revival and you see... Right. Um, shifts taking place, and um, it's really, really cool. Um, I can sense uh, some uh, heavy liberal areas, mm -hmm. um, very religious areas. Right, that's the word, religious, um, yeah. But I see God bringing a sledgehammer, if you will, breaking those things up. Right. Now, I don't know if you said yeah. this. How did you get involved with that church? I mean, did they find you? You found them? Um Actually, I um I spoke at a church in New Hampshire, okay. uh, Kingdom Awakening Church. Pastor Miles and his wife—they're amazing. Uh, but anyways, um, I was preaching there, and there was a gentleman who was real close to the pastor at Lamb's Chapel. Okay. And he was in those services. Uh, that service I preached at got impacted. Um, we got connected on Facebook. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna you know recommend you to our pastor." And um, long story short, he actually followed through with it and uh, connected us and pastor together and, um, you know, build a relationship somewhat kind of on a, a phone call conversation. Uh, I came up and preached for him twice in one year, and we just built a relationship in love with one another. And uh, now we're in covenant with one another, man, a covenant relationship. It's really cool. Well, I know Wake Ministries is expanding. Is um, I'm curious because yeah. I'm going up there sometime either next, sometime next year, and um, I, I promote as people as much as possible, and especially because knowing that area since I was originated from there. Um, have you done a, um, is a couple churches up in that area, or have you done more than just New Hampshire? Yeah, because uh, there's Maine, there's Massachusetts, there's Connecticut, there's Rhode Island. What have you done in the ministry? 
field up, yeah, up there. I've, I've spoke a lot in the New Hampshire area okay. and the Maine area. In the Maine. And uh, I would love, love to cover all of New England. Okay. Um, so I've been up in, you know, uh, the Alton Bay, New Hampshire area. And, um, uh, geez, Berlin. Berlin, yeah. And New one. Hampshire. And then I forget where Pastor Miles' uh, Kingdom Awakening Church is, but that's in New Hampshire. As, as far as I know, so I've been in Oakland, Maine, and uh, and a couple other places in Maine. Okay. So yeah, love love New England. Yeah, when I used to live up in Massachusetts, I used to drive buses. So I'd go to um, let's see Mount Washington, which is in New Hampshire. Okay, yeah. Right, I'm getting my. Yeah. It's been a while, so I've climbed Mount Washington twice in the same day. That was interesting. Uh, I used to oh, take hey, people. Man, look at you. Uh, people used to go skiing on uh, Wildcat, which is. I don't know what side of the mountain it was. It was the cold side because <laughs> one side was um, Wildcat and the other side was Mount Washington. So that was the, and we used to stay in a hotel in New Hampshire a lot and in different other places. But uh, New Hampshire is nice. I, I really like it. I got a friend of mine that lives up yeah, there. New Hampshire. He, uh, nice. he listened to about eight of my podcasts so far. So <laughs> I would like to see them listening to him more. So, <laughs> and I, I like to expand. It's funny how it's like Jesus when uh, he, um, you know, a prophet is not known in his own land. It's like, I have a lot of followers and people that are listening from Florida, but like where I came from, Massachusetts, I haven't had one person, far as I could tell, tune in yet. <laughs> Even family who live up there, you know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a statistical person. I like the uh, facts, and it's like we talked about you in Pennsylvania. We have not one person from Pennsylvania that has liked our podcast, <laughs> you know. I mean, but I have an yeah. unknown place. It's this unknown, like you know, forty-seven something downloads. So, so we're gonna say Pennsylvania is those forty-seven people. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I, it's, it's just, yep. I don't know how this internet works things on sometimes because I looked at identity churches statistics and they mm -hmm. had people from Pennsylvania. So I don't, I don't know. It's again, I guess yeah. it must be your, um, your, um, IP service and stuff like that and your internet, how, how it connects or I don't know. I yeah. mean, Hey, why, why did, I just got somebody the other day that popped up from Russia. So <laughs> like, how did they find me? Okay. You know, it's you just don't know. I mean, I have, um, you know, UK, Sweden, you know, so you just don't know where people are you know, watching or not in, in that case before people who were listening. Now we're getting into live streaming. So like right now we're live on YouTube. Uh, and then once I get more subscription, people start subscribing and people will know more about these things. Yep. And, and I've only been doing this for a year with one show and well, one and a half show. We had the Spanish show for a little while. But we'll get more into that later about your show that we're going to start in, in, on December 1st. But, but okay, yeah. any more things you want to talk about your trip? Anything you want to close up it with? Was a, it was awesome, man. You know, we went hunting. That was fun. But just to see all the provision that the church received. Yeah, that's good. Okay. All right. So yeah. as we always talk about lately, we've been doing this for a few months now, is what's really, what's put God put on your heart today? What kind of the words, inspiration thing. What would you like to share with people what God's talking to you about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's real simple, but uh, the Lord's been really speaking to me about uh, him drawing his church back to his feet. Right. Um, you know, you think of Luke chapter 10 and how Mary sat at, her, at Jesus' feet. Right. And I, I think, you know, we've heard so many messages. Let me just say this real quick. We've heard so many messages of people, you know, saying, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Um, I think we should be both, of course. I think we should 
you know, serve, but I also believe we need to be sitting at the master's feet and just looking into his eyes and hearing his heart. Um, but I, I really believe that God is calling us back to his feet where we just have a passion to look into his eyes and to hear his heart. And um, I think of the church and I feel like, you know, before COVID, I felt like we got to a place where uh, we got so busy with stuff. Um, and I'm not even saying like serving our local community or serving our church body. I believe we've just gotten so focused on some things that might matter the least in God's eyes, if you will. And I really believe we, God is actually trying to focus the church, refocus the church where we start gazing in his eyes, where we just start longing for him above everything. Right. I love to see signs, miracles, and wonders. I love when gold dust shows up and gems. I love the miraculous. I love the supernatural. But all of that has a beginning point, and that beginning point is Jesus. So I really believe we just need to come back to what matters the most, and that's just gazing in his eyes and longing to know his heart. Um, you know, and, and with that, you think of the things that Mary would have seen, that Mary would have heard because she took time to actually sit at Jesus' feet. Right. Um, there was this dialogue. There was this exchange, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's probably casting her cares on him, right. but he's casting on her his revelation in his heart for her that would settle her nerves. Uh. Maybe she didn't even talk at all. Maybe it was a one-sided exchange, but she's just looking at him, giving her or giving him her attention, and he's giving her his revelation. Right. Um, we know it was phenomenal. We know it was amazing, but we don't have to just imagine. Mm-hmm. We can actually take time and actually just fall at his feet and say, Father, here I am. My exchange, what I give you is my time. I give you my focus. And I thank you for just giving me your revelation, just embracing me, just encountering me, just kissing me, if you will. I know that the exchange that Mary had and the exchange that we can have is profound in nature because of who's involved. Right. Jesus. I think of Matthew chapter 5 and how Jesus is sharing profound revelation with people in Matthew chapter 5. And I think of how in Matthew chapter 5, and we've made mention of Matthew 5 before, but like in Matthew 5, 21, Jesus says, you have heard uh, that the um, ancients were told you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to court. He just goes on to say, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you are good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty to go into the fiery hell. And then he just goes on. Mm -hmm. He has this dialogue and this, it may have been maybe not the greatest thing to point out, you know, about murder and hate and anger and stuff. But 
but he's really showing them he's speaking into them but he's also speaking into them who's in a day and hour where a lot of this was probably happening a lot of anger a lot of discontention a lot of division and he said okay you've heard it this way so this is how you've responded to what you're in what you're involved in what's around you but i'm releasing i'm revealing to you how you really should respond in this time and hour uh because in verse 23 he says therefore if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering so i don't think he i love how he brought he brought something up ancient but i believe he was also speaking in because he's relevant he's like how you're dealing with relevant situations current situations is not how i would handle it it's not how i want you to handle it so he speaks revelation he speaks truth he gives them direction he speaks something into their perspective to shift their perspective because you project what you perceive. And so I believe he was trying to change what they projected by shifting how they perceived things. And when we sit at Jesus's feet, Jesus really speaks into our perspective to shift our perspective. So that we change what we project. So we change how we live. Okay. And there is so much on the Father's heart that he's longing for people to be like Mary and sit at his feet so he can share those things with us. To revolutionize our thinking, to revolutionize our behavior, to where we make a positive impact in people's lives. Where, where we really communicate to others what he's communicating to us. Because whenever we hear something, those things that we hear is not always personal. Right. Some things are personal. Some things are actually for us to now reflect so that multiple people can see mm-hmm. and hear what is on the father's heart and i believe it's our priestly duty to represent god and to reflect god to other people so if we have a misperception of who the father is then we're communicating that false perspective of the father we're we're projecting that we're communicating that to others Mm. so god wants us to know him personally Right. So people can personally see through us who he really is. Right. But I wanted to end with this because there is so much that's on the Father's heart. I want to repeat this. That he's waiting for us to fall at his feet. He's waiting for us metaphorically to gaze into his eyes. Right. Uh, lend our ear to his chest. So we can see the fire in his eye right? so that we can pick up one and hear the rhythm of God's heart. Right.
I wrote this down and, and I want to, I want to read this. Okay. There are things in God's heart that are longing for and are excited for our attention. They're excited that there's this rep, there, these revelations, these, these truths that are alive. They're like beings that are just excited for us to lay our eyes on it. They're excited for us to see it. They're excited for us to hear it. And they make their debuts right. to those who are sitting at his feet. And so I believe like never before, we shouldn't just be caught up in what's happening around us. And then we run to him and say, Hey, fix this. I believe we really need to fall on our face and say, God, just gazing into your eyes, spending time with you, being a Mary and sitting at your feet, letting your presence wash over me, letting your presence just impact. Is what's going to fix all things, right? Man, honestly, I'll, I'll say this: my answer, my my answer to prayer, is no longer my greatest reward. Right. Spending time with Him in prayer, mm-hmm. encountering His presence, is my greatest reward. I'll say this in Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it's verse six. It says um, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you go to Proverbs chapter eight, verse 17, it says he loves those who love him. And those who diligently seek him will find him. Find there in the Hebrew means encounter. So if I diligently seek him, I'll encounter him. According to Proverbs 8, 17. Hebrews 11, 6. He says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The answer is not... Like the answer to prayer isn't the full reward. Right. Encountering him, diligently seeking him and encountering him is the reward. So when he says, I reward those who diligently seek me, he's basically saying, "I I will reward you with myself revelations encounters with me so i believe that like martha's are running around Mm -hmm. looking for everything to soothe her right but i really believe we need to be like mary and, and and get our focus back on jesus because all supernatural things start with him. Right. So when I seek him, he'll reward me with encounters of him, which leads to supernatural things that I could be chasing. Right. 
I love the supernatural. But it starts with him. So we need to seek him. Right. And when we seek him, we'll encounter him. And that right there is him rewarding us with himself. So that's what he's been speaking to me about recently, man. One of the things that the Lord was saying to me is, um, and let's talk a little bit about it, is breaking complacency, being stuck in one place that the Lord is just really, you know, trying to break yeah. that, break that complacency. What do you think about that? Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we do find ourselves in a rut. Right. And, um, you know, we find ourselves even complacent with where we've been. But, but who I am today um, is because of not just what ha is happening today, but what happened in the past. Right. So for me, when I look to the future, it really stirs me that my future is really counting on what I do today. Sure, the future will eventually be present. Right. And God's going to be there. But right now, I want to seek Him. I want to be impacted by Him now. I want Him to sow into me what I need now that I can heavily rely on in the future. Right. I, will I will heavily re rely on His presence in the future but in the present, right. I want to be present with his presence. Right. <laughs> yes. I want to be current in his current. I don't want to miss out. Right. So I really believe those kinds of thoughts stir me out of my complacency. Okay. That, yeah, that was good, but I wonder what's waiting for me and what's longing for my attention. I'm going to fall on my face until it stands out. And I'm not going to just lean on what I know. I'm going to be stirred to lean into knowing more of him. Um, a another thing with complacency is I believe we break up with it. With doing something that is outside of its confined uh, a restrictive um, compound, if you will. Right. And, and that is praying when I don't feel like it. Even though I prayed and I pressed and I got, I'm satisfied with the result. Um, I'm going to step out and I'm going to press in. Right. Press into more of him and into his heart because what happens with complacency sometimes, especially with prayer and seeking the Lord, we seek Him for things rather than just seeking Him. Right. So when we seek Him and we get from Him what we want, we get complacent and we don't maybe seek Him as much. Uh, we have a problem that motivates us to pray. Right. But then when the problem's fixed, it's like the passion to pray dwindles. 
What does it look like for him to be our passion, to know him, mm-hmm. to want to know what's on his heart? What if that's our passion? All right. That will constantly stir us every day mm-hmm. to pray. Okay. So we no longer be, we're no longer complacent. We're now constant. We're consistent in our prayer life. And so sometimes a trap is we pray and we press until we get a breakthrough. Right. And then again, the passion dwindles. And we become complacent in the provision that silenced the problem. But when Jesus is our reward, mm-hmm. and no longer just getting an answer to prayer, is our focus. When he's our focus, it will it will cause us to want to go to prayer. Right. Now I'll say this because some of you who will watch this might say, "Well, how do I stir that passion?" Sometimes it's a learned behavior. Sometimes it's praying when you don't feel like praying, reading when you don't feel like reading, with the desire of just knowing Him. And when Holy Spirit starts breathing, you start encountering God. And that starts giving you a passion to want to spend more time with God. So I hope I'm speaking into complacent issue there. But yeah, I think complacency is an issue with a lot of people. But when we break out of the compound of complacency and we do even what we don't feel like doing, it will it will it will keep us out of complacency. Okay. But then when the reward isn't an answered prayer as much as just him and knowing him, mm-hmm. I think that will stir us and keep us from complacency. Okay. That's cool. Well, that's a definitely a good answer to that question. So um yeah. while I'm thinking, I mean, that's a good segue, is why don't we talk well not talk, but let's pray for some people that are listening that yeah. maybe have complacency as an issue. But let's let's have a closing prayer and then we'll end the show from there. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Well, Father, I just thank you for this amazing opportunity to just share your heart with people. And I just pray that you bless those who are impacted by just what we were talking about briefly. Father, I pray that you would stir those who uh, feel complacent and don't know how to get out of it. I pray you stir them. And Father, I pray that, you know, the feeling of like being stuck, the feeling of being complacent, I pray that would lay so heavy on their heart that they would break up with complacency. They would step out of the compounds of a complacency by, by praying by seeking your face. Those who are complacent and and are satisfied with it, Father, let them get dissatisfied with it. Father, those who uh, don't even know they're complacent, make them aware of it, Lord. But I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would breathe on all of their hearts and show them how to get out of where they are, how to step out of where they are, um, to step out of complacency. Father, I pray for everyone who's watching, and I pray for myself. I pray for Kevin. I pray that we would make prayer about knowing you, that we would be still and seek you, and that that would be our reward. Right. Not just an answer to prayer, 
even though answers prayers are amazing father may the reward of just knowing you leaning into you just spending time with you may that be our reward and father whenever it's about you i don't know if we'll ever get complacent in prayer because there's so much more to you than what we currently know. So stir people's curiosity and hunger, Lord. Mm. Yes, Lord. To long for you, to reach for you, to seek you. Yeah, let that curiosity and that hunger motivate them to seek you, pray, and long for you. We bless everyone right now. We pray you shred any condemnation that they may have or feel or sense because they've been complacent. But let them be enlightened but motivated to to press in and seek you and to know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'd like to thank my guest, Ryan Bastris from Wake Ministries, for joining us today. Man, thanks for having me, buddy. Everybody else, we'll see you guys next week, same time, same channel. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com. Or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kindle for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. Welcome to the program. Today we're going to be talking about quality family time. You know, times are changing and technology has soared to an all-time high. A common complaint around my house is for equal time on the computer. And you know, I just don't remember that being a problem when I was growing up. We didn't even know what a computer was. But you know, the popularity of email and instant messaging has caused sitting down and writing a letter by hand to become a thing of the past. You know, sadly, something else is becoming a thing of the past. And that's quality family time. You've got television, the internet, long bus rides home, and busy activity schedules. They can all steal away from our time together as a family. You know, children will develop their religious beliefs and social skills from whomever or whatever they're exposed to the most. 
it's interesting that when a child gets in trouble to hear their parents say, well, they certainly didn't learn that at home. Well, of course they didn't. They learned it while they were hanging out in the mall parking lot while you were too busy to spend time with them. And the enemy of their soul knows the strategy of a seed well sown and long-term subtle influence. But it's up to us as parents to make sure that they grow up to become healthy and whole. And for that, there is no substitution for quality family time. You know, the scariest thing about raising kids is that you only get one chance. And just like the old saying says, they don't come with instructions. But God's word is full of wisdom and direction for parents. Listen to Proverbs 22.6. It says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Parents, you cannot effectively train by substitution or from a distance. Training is a very slow, a very long-term process, and it demands quality time. You know, a great way to start is by setting a goal to sit down and have dinner together as a family at least four nights a week. And by the way, turn off the television. The real news is sitting across the table from you. You know, I learned so much about my children by sitting at the dinner table and asking the simple question, hey, how was your day? Remember parents, someone is going to train up your children. God's word says it should be you. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall.